Welcome to episode two of the Burn Love Podcast. And before I get into today's episode, I just want to take a moment to say a massive thank you to everyone that took the time to listen to episode one. I just want to say your support is hugely appreciated. The idea behind this podcast isn't to throw a whole lot of technical stuff your way. All I want to do is get the best birders that I know, people that I want to learn from, and I want to ask them the questions that I've always wanted to ask them and let you simply listen in on the conversation. Tonight I'll have part two of Trevor Hardiker's interview. Trevor is one of South Africa's best-known birders. He's the guy who sends the rare bird report out to thousands of South Africans every single day. And I can't wait for you to listen to today's episode. I'm also proud that this podcast is associated with BirdLife Port Natal, a bird club that covers the Etiquini area in KwaZulu-Natal, South Africa. So before we listen to Trevor's interview, I'm going to have a chat with Nicolette Forbes, the current chair of BirdLife Port Natal. So again, Nicolette, I want to welcome you to the Birding Life podcast. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing very well. Thank you, Adam. And thanks for the opportunity to join you again. So like we said last time, Nicolette is the chairperson of, of BirdLife Port Natal. Um, she's doing an amazing job. The club has grown from strength to strength under her leadership. And Nicolette, I want to ask you a question that I've been asked many times. And it's probably asked a lot by the younger generation of birders. But I think it probably goes across the board in many ways. The question I've been asked many times is, why should I join a bird club? People talk about things like, I can't go on every outing. People say I can bird myself. Why should people join a bird club? What is the importance of bird clubs? Are bird clubs just a a dying entity? Well, you've touched on something that's very close to my heart because it's something that I also have very often thrown at me. Are the people not wanting to join? or cancelling the memberships because they say they don't have time to go on activities or things like that. I've also had one person say to me, I don't see the point in joining. What does joining the bird club do for me? Which, as you can imagine, had my hair standing on end a little. Because I think that that's a very um, selfish and and almost self-centered point of view. Because what you need to think about is what kind of network we're we're a part of. So BirdLife Port Natal is called BirdLife. It has BirdLife in the front of its name for a reason. And that is because we are part of a global structure, BirdLife International, through our national affiliate, BirdLife South Africa. And that network is an incredible one in terms of what they do for birds. They are a global partnership of conservation organizations that strives to conserve birds, their habitats, and global biodiversity. So probably the most important thing about belonging to a club, and I'm going to start at the back end, and then I will talk about what it does for you, is that if you care about birds, some of your membership fee, even of the local clubs, supports conservation projects, as well as some educational outreach to protect birds and their habitats, as well as the fact that by just being a member of BirdLife Port Natal, you count towards the headcount, as it were, of BirdLife South Africa, which enables them to sway legislation and develop policy within the country. And having a lot of critical mass, a, a body of people in support as members, means that they are much more able to lobby politicians and much more able to lobby the the legislature to do things to protect birds. So even if you don't attend anything, just by being a member, you actually can feel like you are doing something. 
Membership is also very, very nominal of both. And I would encourage anybody that listens to this that's not a member of both a local club, and in our case, BirdLife Port Mattel, and also BirdLife South Africa, our national body, to think about joining both. We're talking about 140 rand for an individual member. And if we're talking about the younger members, that would be there. Senior citizen is 120 per annum at the moment. And BirdLife South Africa's fee is a total of about 520 rand per year. 580, I might have that slightly um, incorrect, but that includes a subscription to their wonderful magazine where you get six copies a year. So it's, it's, more about, it's more about what you can do for birds than what the club can do for you in the sort of Kennedy quote of not ask not what you can do for your, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And, and the same applies here. So if we talk about what membership, that nominal membership fee actually gives you, and that's where we really, I suppose, start changing hearts and minds because people always want to know what they can get. The option of joining over 80 club walks and outings in different areas of KZN over a calendar year, and that's at no cost if you're a member. And you're guided by people who, are, who either know the area in particular. There's always people on the walks that know the birds. So if you're wanting to learn, that's a great way to start understanding and practicing both IDing visually and by, by learning the calls. There's also presentations at three different venues around KZN. Uh, we have our main meeting at Westville on a Wednesday evening, but there are also two satellites, as you know, being um, running and coordinating one of those, and that is the Amazon Toti Satellite Coast uh, affiliation, which meets also down in the Toti area, as well as a morning meeting in Kloof every, every second month with the Kranzkloof Birds Group. There are also access to discounts for courses and other events. We have an email service which gives people, keeps people in the news and um, connected through birding sightings and other related subjects, as well as newsletters and our e-magazine, which is, is sent out quarterly from KZN Birds. That's a regional magazine, but the, the members will get that before anybody else does. What are some of the projects we've been able to give into as a club? We have managed in this past year to really scale up our conservation efforts. And we've given over 30,000 rand now sure. to conservation projects in KZN and around South Africa. And some of those have been the important BirdLife South Africa project of the looking after the Southern Banded Snake Eagle, as well as being able to contribute to the Mouse Free Marion project, a highly significant project. And that's the partnership project. BirdLife South Africa is part of that. And then we've given to some other smaller projects, things like Bird Lasser, which is a very important tool which is used to atlas birds and collect citizen science data, and a few others, including the Kloof Conservancy, one of our partners in conservation that also does some fantastic work up in the highway area. So and it's ticking over. We're about to uh, contribute to the BirdLife uh, Community Guides as well, actually today. We're going to be organizing that donation to help them through the lockdown. So I think people who are part of BirdLife Port Natal, this is the contributions that they are making. So I think just to conclude, how can people join the club? If people are interested in joining, uh, one of the easiest ways is to just send an email to info at blpn.org and just say, I would like to join. And somebody will immediately send you a an application form which you can fill out or you can click on our website 
again, www.blpn.org. And there is a section for membership and there are forms available there for download. Or you can contact any of the committee and the committee details are on the website as well. So again, Nicolette, we'll put those links in the bottom in the description. So thanks, Nicolette, for your time again. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great day and hope you see lots more birds on lockdown. All right. You too, Adam. Uh, Keep safe and keep healthy for the remainder and we will chat again. Not all your birding trips work out, I'm sure. There's, you know, you've obviously had trips where you spent money and done all the, the, the work to go and done it, and it hasn't worked out. I remember reading about an ill-fated trip in search of a Ross's Taraka. I think it was in Botswana. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that trip. Well, I've, I've had a number of those that didn't work out. I mean, that one <clears throat> was a, it hurt a little bit because it was a particularly expensive trip to get to where the bird was and to stay at, at this private camp where the bird was hanging out. And it disappeared literally the, the evening before we got there. So it had been there for, I, I can't remember how long, a week or a week and a half, every single day, hanging around in these fruiting trees and what have you. And it was still there when we started our journey. But by the time we eventually got to to the site in Botswana, the bird had disappeared. And yeah, it was a, it was a very, very tough, tough one to swallow. I think a, a, another similar one was um, the Pied Wheatia at Victoria Falls, which we also went for. That was really a comedy of errors. So what, what happened was I, was I was due to give a talk at the Flufftail Festival in Dahlstrom that, on the weekend. And my talk was actually about twitching. So that's the real irony. So this bird got found on the, the Friday morning or something. I don't remember. Maybe the Thursday afternoon. And my talk was supposed to be at 12 o'clock or something on the Saturday, sort of midday. So I contacted the, the organizers and I said, because there was a whole series of talks on the Saturday. And I said, is there any way that I can swap my talk to the later slot, you know, to maybe like 4.30 or 5 p.m. or something. And that would give me enough time to, to get to Victoria Falls, see the bird, and then get on the plane and come back to Johannesburg and drive to Dahlstrom and still get there in time to give the talk. And then I said, you know, and then it would be really, really current because I could tell you about this bird. And they, they, they wouldn't allow it. So we ended up going to Dahlstrom and, and then made plans to do the talk at 12 o'clock and leave straight afterwards and drive back to Johannesburg and then fly to, to Zimbabwe. But as it turned out, that, that evening, the Saturday evening, they had a massive storm go through Vic Falls. And uh, when we landed there, at first thing on Sunday morning, the bird was gone. There was nowhere to be found. It had been there Saturday evening. When we took off from Johannesburg, we flew to Arari first and overnighted there. And then Sunday morning, we had a, it was still in the dark when we took off from Harare. When we landed in Vic Falls, the bird was gone, never to be seen again. So that really hurt. And that was because I was giving a talk about twitching. Oh, and you try to get out of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so Trevor, I think a lot of people, we said maybe know you as a twitcher and that type of thing. But I'm sure your love for birds goes a lot deeper than just chasing after rare species. What are some conservation causes that you're involved in? 
You know, I, I don't, I mean, I don't do the day-to-day groundwork on, on in any conservation causes, but uh, I mean, I'm obviously actively involved in, in the Bird Atlas project. I've been involved to raise funds for conservation through various, in various ways, through, through raffles or by taking part in, in certain competitions to raise funds for conservation. I've also, I've done a lot with uh, seabird conservation taking people out to sea to put to catch albatrosses and put satellite trackers on them. I do a lot of work with uh, Sankob in helping them take rehabilitated seabirds back out to sea to release them. Yeah, so uh, I try and, and do my bit, you know. Uh, it's not something that I want to use in any sort of advertising or anything like that. I just do it because it's the right thing to do, you know, and that's something, it's no good having a passion for birds and and wanting to see all the birds if you're not caring about the environment and the conservation. So, I mean, the easiest thing for people to do is just to become a member of their local bird clubs and BirdLife South Africa because, you know, just by doing that, uh, and increasing the, uh, the membership numbers of those organizations gives them a, a bigger voice to, to fight for, for conservation efforts. Yeah, I agree totally. I think, I think a lot of people undermine the importance of being part of a bird club. Um, a lot of people think, I think it's a lot more than just going on outings or going to talks. I think it's the, the contribution you make when you join those bird clubs, I think has, has such a huge impact. I think more impact than people even realize. The social side of it is what is one thing, but I mean, it's no good all of us being interested in birds if if there are no birds around or the habitat is being destroyed at a rate of knots. And you know, there's a lot of people working behind the scenes through bird clubs and BirdLife South Africa to to conserve those areas and to conserve the birds. And so we need to support that and yeah one of the easiest ways is to is to join the club and then make a little financial contribution towards the conservation efforts and also importantly giving them a an even bigger voice the more members they have the bigger the voices that that they have so one of the projects that connects you with most of the african birders is your rare bird report that email that goes out most days how did you get started in this? And just tell us how much work goes into preparing each of these reports. I can imagine there's tons of work that goes behind the scenes, a lot of WhatsApp messages that come through. How does that look on, on a practical basis? Yeah, so I, I suppose it started because I saw there was a need. I think the thing that um, that really sparked it all was we were on a, we were birding up at Mahubaskloof quite a few years ago and we, we stopped in at the Begeni Falls just so that I could show Margaret the falls because she'd never been there before. And we, we spent whatever, five or 10 minutes at the actual falls enjoying them. And then we got into our car and drove off. And it was a few days later that I heard through the, the grapevine that there was a gray wagtail at the Begeni Falls. And it had actually been there, been seen the morning that we had been there. And there was no facility anywhere of that kind of news being shared. And so I thought, well, you know, that hurt us a little because at that stage, Margaret still needed to see Grey Wagtail in Southern Africa. And I thought, well, you know, I've got to create something to try and sort this out. And so that's where the rare bird news started. 
In terms of the amount of work, yes, it is an, a huge amount of work doing all those reports and things like that. But I think part of the thing is because I enjoy it so much, it doesn't necessarily feel like work. I spend a, a large amount of time on it, but the time just seems to sort of disappear very quickly because I'm, I'm enjoying putting, putting the whole thing together. Um, yeah, I, I do get crazy numbers of messages from people. So in the, in the middle of summer, when things are, are really hot and there's quite a few rare birds around, it could be several hundred WhatsApp messages a day. And um, they start early. You know, you guys on the eastern side of the country, the sun rises a lot earlier than it does in, in Cape Town. So, I mean, my first WhatsApp messages sometimes start coming through from half past four, quarter to five in the morning. And yeah, they go on until nine, 10 o'clock at night. That's crazy. It's, yeah. it's very difficult to very difficult to keep up with all of them. Yeah, I think I think on behalf of all South Africans, Trevor, just want to say thank you for the hard work that you put into that. I think it's at, at least at one time. Um, well, let me just first say it's it's at one time it's allowed us to find a rare bird, and it's definitely affected our wallets a little bit. But we want to say thank you so much for all the reports are going. I also think say thanks to Margaret for allowing you to do it. I think it's big sacrifice from her side also. Yes, yes, indeed it is. She, she supports me hugely in this thing, so she, she definitely needs a lot of thanks as well. Trevor, what is an embarrassing story? Something embarrassing has happened to you as a birder? <laughs> Look, I mean, as a birder, obviously, every time you, you make an, a wrong ID, that's always embarrassing. It's obviously not so bad if you're on your own. On the odd occasion, you know, you might be with other people. I think for me, you know, there, there have been a few that have slipped through the net when I'm rushing to put a report together and I stick a photo in and don't look at it too closely and then afterwards realize, oops, that's not what I said it was in the report. And I've, I've just gone and splashed that into, you know, 4,000 or 4,500 people's inboxes. So, yeah, I certainly make my ID errors to a very big uh, <laughs> public forum. One of my favorite stories is from Colombia, where I was on a birding trip and we, we drove up into the mountains and got to a point just in the middle of nowhere and the, the vehicle stopped and said, and said to everybody, right, time to get out. And the next thing we knew, they brought out a whole bunch of horses. And I said, what's going on? And I said, no, no, it's too steep from here for the vehicle. So we've got to go on a horse. Now, I'd never ridden a horse in my life before at that stage. And, um, well, it's easy enough getting onto the horse, but you know, I don't know what it was, three hours or four hours later, riding this horse and galloping along on this horse. When I got to this lodge way up in the Andes um, and tried to get off the horse, I was so stiff that I couldn't move my legs. I literally just fell off the horse onto the floor. I, and I couldn't move. I had to sit on the ground for probably 15 to 20 minutes before I could even bend my legs properly again. It was so sore. I, I, it was an incredibly painful and embarrassing experience to go through that. And I just hadn't realized how difficult it was going to be to, well, not that it was difficult to ride the horse, but how difficult it was going to be to come right again after having ridden the horse. But the nice thing with that story was I fell down right next to a hummingbird feeder 
And within three minutes, a male sword-billed hummingbird came into that feeder, and it was my life as sword-billed hummingbird. So I lay on the ground watching this thing through my binoculars. It was an incredible experience in the end, yes. That's really awesome. So, Trevor, just before we end off, a couple of questions that came in from um, Instagram. Uh, Cuthbert Luke and S.A. Berta both asked, what's your most memorable sighting you've had? You know, locally, I think one thing one that does stand out is uh, the Wilson's Fellerope that was very close to my home because it was my 900th bird in Southern Africa. Sure. Um, and also, it was an unexpected thing. I uh, received a phone call the evening before. I remember it, being, it was a very, very dark, rainy evening, and uh, a visiting bird at Dave Dayton uh, had said he, he'd found a, a funny phalarope at Dolphin Beach Pan, which is literally five minutes from where I live. And he he thought it may be like a funny red-necked phalarope, but he wasn't 100% sure, and could I meet him the next morning to just have a look at it? So I said, sure, and I went down there at first light, met up with him, not expecting anything other than a redneck phalarope. And when I lifted my binoculars and looked at the bird, it was this beautiful female Wilson's phalarope in full breeding plumage. Just an incredible oh. surprise. And yeah, I was blown away um, by, by that bird just because it was an unexpected twitch. In terms of international, um, I'm not not specifically um, a single species, but I think getting off a boat on um, South Georgia Island and South Atlantic and walking into a colony of half a million king penguins sure. is right up there with some of the, one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. Um, that was just an incredible, incredible experience. Evan Kurz, 22, asks, what's your favorite place to bird? I suppose locally, it, it would be the West Coast National Park. That's the area I consider my my local patch. But in Southern Africa, gee, there's, there's so many good places. Zul the whole of Zululand is just an incredible mm. place to go birding in. The, the Kruger, I love the, the sort of desert areas as well. So Khalakhadi, Namibia. And then obviously like Eastern Highlands, the, the forests up there in Zimbabwe mm. are just incredible as well. And then SA Birda asks, what's the rarest bird on your life list? Uh, again, if we're talking Southern Africa, I suppose it would be Amsterdam albatross. Sure. Um, that's, a, that's an incredibly rare bird globally. There's, I think there's, the global population is 170 individuals or something like that. So that's, yeah, that's without a doubt the rarest bird on my, on my Southern African list. And then, Trevor, just the last question. What tips would you have for any newer birders out there? How can they grow and become better birders? I think, the first and foremost, it's time in the field. That, to me, is the, the best way to learn, rather than reading through books or listening to bird calls, trying to drum them into your head. I find that seeing and hearing birds in the field and associating the call with the bird when I'm seeing it is the best way to learn. That's that's how I've always been. Also getting to understand habitats and habitat preferences of various species. Again, from spending time in the field. And I suppose not always looking for the easy way out. Try, trying firstly to work things out for yourself. And at least taking a stab, 
stab at the the ID or whatever, you know, rather than just posting it somewhere with a, a please ID comment. And then I guess, you know, just stay stay positive about the whole learning experience. Don't um, you know, don't be nasty or, or or look down on on other new birders. I mean, everybody started off at the bottom in terms of birding experiences. Uh, at the bottom and um yeah so always be encouraging to to all birders and there's this wonderful graph that that the, the development of a birder goes through you start off knowing nothing and then in your first couple of years you have this this very very steep increase of knowledge till you get to a, a plateau where you think you know everything and then as the years progress and you get more and more experience, it goes down again until you get almost back to the bottom where after several decades of experience, you realize you actually know just about nothing. I suppose it's a bit of an energy of what life looks like also, eh? Yes, indeed. Um, Trevor, just one, one last thing. You do pelagics out of Cape Town. How can people get more information about that if they would like to do a pelagic, obviously after lockdown and everything? Yes. So they can contact me directly. We, we do have a website at zestforbirds.co.za, but people can, can contact me via email, hardacre at mweb.co.za, whatever questions they have, and I'll be happy to answer them. Oh, thanks, Trevor. We'll put all those details into the, the comment section of wherever this is posted. Trevor, thanks so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. I know we went a little bit over time, but it was really a lot of fun chatting to you and I really, really appreciate your giving up your your time to do this. And yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, thank, thanks very much for, for having me, Adam. I enjoyed it. I just want to say a big thank you to Trevor. That was pure gold. Personally, I've learned so much as I've done this interview. Be sure to like this episode and to subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single episode. Next week, I am really excited. I have one of South Africa's best loved bird authors, Fancy Peacock. Until next time, be blessed and happy birding.